This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We've got a COVID podcast. Yeah, didn't think we'd have many more of these, but here we are. Good morning. It's Monday, December 27th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas. Back in the saddle this week, kind of, you know, kind of working working a, a full day, but, you know, going to the driving range. Anyway, the, uh, the COVID situation, I'm sure you're seeing it on Twitter and on your various college football message boards if you, if you have a team in a bowl game that this is, uh, it's, look, not the end of the world. Um, we're going to talk here about the college football playoff semifinals and, and their status here in a minute. We're going to talk to Steven Igo of 24-7 Sports' East Carolina site, Hoist the Colors. Um, he drove back Sunday, spent nine hours in the car after the military bowl was canceled. Uh, East, ECU was supposed to play Boston College. But as it currently stands, we've had three bowl games canceled with COVID so far. The Hawaii Bowl, Memphis flew all the way out to Hawaii. The game was canceled the night before. We've got the Fenway Bowl. I think that's what it's called. Virginia versus SMU. That was canceled on Sunday, as was the Military Bowl between East Carolina and Boston College. There was a little talk on Twitter. My guy, Brad Crawford, was like, let's get ECU and SMU playing together. They're, they're American uh, conference teams anyway. That asked Stephen about that was never really in the cards. So we had no makeup bowl game as we did for the Gator Bowl when Texas A&M had to opt out, sending Rutgers, Lance, Lance, our producer Lance's Rutgers Scarlet Knights into the bowl game. So we should really have four canceled bowls, right? now we're at three. The big picture question with Omicron raging is what do we need to complete the college football season? And it is crazy that we're even having this discussion after a extremely seamless year, uh, a fall that surprised me. I didn't think we'd have a fall without um, a few cancellations here and there considering the, the what happened over the summer in the College World Series, but we had a great fall college football season, renaissance season, as Josh Pate would say. College basketball has been really, really, really rocky the last few weeks, and we're we're expecting that to be rocky all the way through February. College football really, at the end of the day, for this season to be fine, it, it needs to have two semis be played and a national championship. My problem with all of that is the college football playoff management committee, their policies scare me a little bit in, in letting that happen seamlessly. So let me just let me just tell you what those are. And, and if you don't know what they are, you'll learn something. If you know what they are, press the fast forward 15, 30 second button a few times and you'll get to my conversation with Steven Igo. The, the playoff semis, if one team is unavailable to play, then that's a straight up forfeit and the opponent would advance to the national championship game. If both teams in the, in the same semi, the Cotton and Orange Bowls are unavailable to play, then the semifinal game would be declared a no contest and the team winning the other semifinal game would be declared the national champion. If three teams are unavailable to play, the semifinal in which two teams are unable to play would be declared a no contest and then in the other semifinal game, the team unable to play would forfeit the game and the opponent who didn't have to play anybody would be declared the college football playoff national champion. Would that team even want the trophy? I mean, give me a break. What's What makes this all the more ridiculous? Let's think about this for a minute. Two weeks since the season really ended for the regular season, maybe more, uh, depending on... Uh, no, more than two weeks. I'm being generous. The College Football National Championship is not played in Indianapolis until 
Monday, January 10th. They say they'll play that all the way up until the 14th of January. Is there not any leeway to move back a New Year's Eve semifinal a few days? Do the teams need 10 days to prep? Really? I mean, we've got makeup bowl games happening in the Gator Bowl and we can't possibly fathom the idea of having a makeup cotton bowl? I really hope it doesn't come to it. I mean, especially considering that the Fiesta and the Peach Bowls, a few of the other New Year's Six Bowl games with no playoffs implications this year, those games, the committee announced that they would work with ESPN to, to try to reschedule those uh, within a seven-day window. So they'll reschedule the Peach Bowl, but let's say Georgia's COVID issues. Let's say George Pickens, we know he's in COVID protocol. JT Daniels, we know he's he's had, a, uh, I believe he's in COVID protocol or was a few days ago. Let's see that Georgia's got a big problem. All of a sudden, Georgia has to forfeit, puts Michigan in the national championship game. This is this is silly, and um, and that's not even to discuss. I don't really even want to discuss the, the discrepancies of, of testing, um, testing the, the vaccinated players or asymptomatic players or just team-wide testing, um, or the fact that most teams, uh, per their conferences or their university bylaws, are are doing it you know, at sort of different degrees, um, different different levels to it. And I was even trying to spend a little bit of Sunday Googling college football COVID protocol, testing protocols, to see if at any point in the last few months, maybe while I was sleeping or like, you know, watching the actual football games, they had, the NCAA had enacted some really great official you know, testing protocol, if you're vaccinated, you know, and you know, what if you're boosted and there's just nothing there. So a total abysmal lack of leadership. I'm not, you know, I'm not blaming Bill Hancock for Omicron because it's hitting college basketball too. And it's hitting the world. And, you know, saw a ton of friends this, this week who did a virtual Christmas. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough spot. And I feel for all the, uh, you know, you, you would feel for all the fans um, of every bowl game um, getting canceled. And we'll talk to Steve and I go about that from East Carolina's perspective, but fingers crossed here that we get through these next few days uh, on track for two college football playoff semifinals. Here's Steven. All right. Steven Igo joins us right now. A very tired Steven Igo. Almost all day in the car as we sit here on Sunday afternoon and talk, Stephen. And you never really got to your uh, initial destination in Annapolis because of uh, the cancellation of, of the bowl. Just tell us, I think people are, uh, you know, and the story sucks, but I think people like to hear stories or, or at least, you know, interested in stories like this. So tell us a little bit about your uh, your travel diary today. Yeah, yeah. What a day. Uh, woke up at 6 a.m., uh, wanted to hit the road by 7 from Greenville, North Carolina up to Annapolis is about five hours without traffic, with traffic, with holiday traffic, around six hours probably, uh, at least five and a half. So got to around an hour outside of Annapolis, had just crossed into Maryland or was about to cross into Maryland. When I started getting some texts some calls that the game was in serious jeopardy, uh, and then I pulled off to the side of the road, was conversing with some of my sources and ended up confirming, you know, that I heard that there was going to be an emergency ECU football team meeting uh, around, let's see, gosh, it's all a blur at this point, but I guess around uh, 1030 or 11 a.m. or so. And then around that time, quickly got the news the game was canceled, confirmed it put it out there. And then at that point it was deciding, Hey, I got two hotel uh, rooms booked two nights in Annapolis. If I could get the full refund, I was just going to go ahead back because there was no reason really to be there. Ended up getting the refund, drove back. So spent nine hours total on I-95, never got to Annapolis, Maryland, which is what the uh, ultimate goal was due to the cancellation of the game. So a very frustrating day for, for me, but, but more importantly, everybody involved in the game. 
Yeah, your 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 website, uh, Hoist the Colors at 24-7 Sports, that you do a great job with. This is like the most COVID of all front pages we've got. We've got the, the headline military bowl between Boston College and ECU canceled. But then you you know, you had some great content, man, about like bowl game pre-run, you know, three keys to a bowl game, uh, VIP on like who's got the edge, uh, a story on five ECU players who need to be at their best for ECU to win the military bowl. This one really stings for East Carolina because did, did I read correctly that it had been since 2014 that they had played in a bowl game? Yeah, 2014. It is. It has been a major struggle for the football program really ever since firing Ruff McNeil following the 2015 season, controversially so. Then they hired Scotty Montgomery, just went into a tailspin as a program, and finally have kind of resurrected things or at least gotten things back on the right track under the third year of head coach Mike Houston. And they have a very young team, so for most of the roster, they'll get another opportunity to play in a bowl game. But there are a handful of seniors who, you know, fifth and sixth-year guys with the COVID deal that this game really meant the world to them. They kind of stuck around, didn't transfer, just to kind of see through the turnaround of the program. And to be able to get the the Pirates back to a bowl game, but not to be able to play in the game, thinking all week up in D.C. the team has been, thinking they're about to play, you know, an ACC team, get a chance to make a, a, you know, somewhat of a national statement on a national televised game. And to have that taken away really from from things out of their control, because it was Boston College's decision to pull out of the game at the end of the day, which which made it that much more sour for ECU to take. And so very frustrating for those seniors. I heard that there was definitely tear tears in their eyes, as uh, Coach Houston told them this morning, which, which made it a very difficult and somber meeting. Yeah, let, let's get into the COVID of it all. So Boston College, I saw on Twitter, had up to 40 players out. I saw you had mentioned a day earlier that there was a little bit of trepidation on the ECU side with um, a few positive t- cases popped up. But definitely, yeah, it, it was Boston College's decision, much like it was, I believe, I believe it was Virginia's decision um, to, to pull out of the Fenway Bowl against SMU. Look, like the episode and you know the the the, the monologue I'll do before you know before we get into our conversation is about how like how COVID and these testing discrepancies are wreaking havoc on college football. It's only three bowl games so far. It could really be four if you factor in the Gator Bowl. Who knows what happens with the college football playoff in the semifinals? I'm a positive person. I think it's going to be okay, um, but you never know, right? So, do you have any hunch of, of a difference in in um, and, and you might not know, and that's okay. But any hunch in a, dif- a difference in, in testing procedure between East uh, East Carolina and Boston College? Well, I know for a fact East Carolina did not test unless you know as long as the players were vaccinated and guys did not have symptoms, they were not tested. Now, even if you were vaccinated, if you displayed symptoms, those people were tested. Also, close contact. So one of the first guys that tested positive for ECU, his roommates were tested as well. Uh, one of them came back positive. I think this was right, either right before they took the trip up uh, to D.C. or right around then. Uh, those two players ended up not being around the team. And then from that point forward, I think they had some support staff test positive, but there were only five total cases on ECU. So at least that were tested. So everybody that was vaccinated and was not showing symptoms was not tested, from my understanding, on ECU side. Now, Boston College's side, I don't know for sure. Uh, I do know that they were – I'd heard uh, so yesterday – on uh, Saturday that they had had a handful of positive cases. Don't know the fallout from that in terms of did they test everybody after that? Did they only test symptomatic people? But from what I can gather, Boston College's issue was not only the the guys who were out with COVID, but also they had a significant number of players, especially on the offensive front, that opted out, weren't going to play in the bowl game, plus injuries. And I think you total all that together, and they had those 40-plus players that were not going to be available to play. 
And, you know, talking with ECU people, and this is ECU side, of course, they felt like Boston College, if they absolutely had to, could have played the game, but probably due to the lack of depth, did not feel comfortable playing the game. Uh, maybe did not feel confident in what they would have had out there uh, on, on the 27th if they were uh, able to suit up. Was there ever a point in time before it got shot down that ECU and SMU could ever play in a makeup bowl game? From my conversations with sources uh, at ECU, that was not brought up due to the uh, the dates of, of both games being in the days to come and also uh, the turnaround it would needed. W- with both schools already being on the road, already preparing for other opponents, they didn't want to keep those schools on the road, You know, take another week to prepare, take the expense of doing all that. And then also, if you do all that and then you have more COVID issues, then you just wasted even more money. So I think it was just kind of a decision, uh, at least on ECU's part, I know that they just wanted to say, hey, we gave it our shot with the military bowl. It didn't work out. Our season's over. So I know ECU is not planning to play another game. You've had a long day. You just walked through the door, letting you go. And I know you've already spoken to this a little bit, but I just want to reemphasize the point, Stephen. People talk all the time about bowl games not mattering anymore, but I can just sense the disappointment from ECU's side. And I think this is what's going to be their first bowl game in almost 10 years. And I think at this point, look, anyone listening in the last two seasons of football under a COVID lens, mostly 2020, most everybody, their favorite team, most everybody had a game get canceled. They know how it feels. Um, even if you weren't all that excited for the game, it's still a gut punch. You have a bowl game canceled, Steven. I guess just in summation, any one, two, or three emotions that we're feeling over there? Yeah, I think you you know you hit, hit the nail on the head in that this was a very important game for East Carolina. You know, I, I don't know what it meant to Boston College. I, I'm not too familiar with Boston College's fan base, but I know for ECU, the path the program is on back to you know trying to get relevant again in college football, especially in the American Athletic Conference and kind of the season they had. I, I think ECU fans really wanted to show that product on a national stage on ESPN and, and, you know, in a good time slot on a Monday that a lot of people have off work two 30, a lot of people would have been watching this game. Uh, unfortunately it gets canceled and, you know, we touched on the players, but also the fans, you know, EC fans, it's, it's one of the best fan bases in the group of five. I think you can go to hoistacolors.net and see the support we have there. Uh, and it kind of speaks for itself. So, and I, and as we were going up 95 to Annapolis, I can't tell you the number of pirate flags, license plates, all that stuff that were making the trip uh, along with us to cover the game. So, so many fans on the road, the game was important to them to have that pulled out from underneath them. It's, it's sad. It, you know, it's just, it, unfortunately, <laughs> that's the world we live in. It's why COVID sucks. And um, we can only hope at some point we can put this stuff behind us. But this definitely was an important game for East Carolina. It's disheartening, uh, also frustrating to deal with uh, on a lot of levels for Pirate fans. Steven, we appreciate it. Thanks, man. Absolutely. All right. Appreciate Steven Igo joining us. We'll keep our eye on all this COVID stuff in college football. You hate to make an episode about it. Hate, especially I hadn't done an episode in a week. Hate to, you know, make it, make the monologue all about it, but feel, you know, got a, got a COVID, uh, got a PhD in COVID college football podcasting last year. So have a little bit of a, a ledge to stand on and a little bit of an opinion about it that I think is fair. So anyway, our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. Thanks again for listening to the college football daily. We will talk to you on Tuesday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.